0: I met Melissa, she had been away from Austin at treatment for an extended period of time and came back and I met her like really close to maybe nine months sober and um, for her first birthday, her first AA birthday, we went to see the Eagles together (laughs) because we're both classic rock fans. Um, and so I just admire her. She works a really strong program. She's just a no shit person. Um, and, uh, I'm really excited to hear your story, Melissa. Uh, thank you, snow. Uh, I totally, that was so fun. We were like the oldest people there. (laughs) I mean, the youngest. At the youngest. We were, Eagle. The, youngest. We were nice. the youngest. It was awesome. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. That was the first sober concert I ever went to. I, I cried. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Yeah. So hey, I'm Melissa. I'm an alcoholic addict. It's so good to see you guys. Hi. Yeah, I've been coming to Bolden for a while. Um I May nineteenth this year, I'll have six years. So, and I did get back to Bolden around nine months. Um, But I'm just going to tell you, like, it's funny. I haven't told my story in a while, and I usually tell it at the prison. And so I'm used to standing up and, like, walking around. So it feels a little weird to sit. But um, it's kind of fun to uh, do it via Zoom. We'll see how it goes. How much time do I have? You have as much time as you want until like five minutes from the end, five minutes to nine, so I can do the closing stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll leave a little more time than that. And if you, yeah, Um, if you finish, you can take questions. Yeah, sure. Okay, so I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about like kind of a little bit about my history um, and my alcohol and addiction and then talk about treatment and. Um, really the program and where I'm at now and I always kind of really talk about like what is present and going on in my life and so um, and I just want to say this I always say this before I get started like I in no way think that the things that happened to me when I were young caused me to be an alcoholic but I think they um, they they played a major part and that's why I talk about it so I grew up and um, I was born in 1975 in Beaumont and uh, my I had a brother that was born two years before me and I guess you would have described my family as, you know, um, like on the outside everything looked great. Um, you know a lot of functional care, a lot of you know taking us on trips we had you know my dad worked really hard to provide for us um and um the emotional atmosphere was there wasn't a lot of um I would say comforting uh, that went on. I think that's the best way to put it. And I just want to say that because it it comes into play um, with what happened to me. So when I was about around the age of 10 and I was uh, sexually abused by a cousin of mine, a male cousin of mine, it was never talked about. In fact, it wasn't talked about until I was, uh, God, 20 26 27 maybe um and so uh i think at that point i mean i i I was always like i i never wanted to follow the rules i was always like getting in trouble and you know pushing the limits and anything my mom told me to do i just would rebuff it and um then i got into high school and I did. I drank even before that. I drank, like, in grade school. I can remember, like, sneaking out and, like, drinking fucking wine coolers, which is, <laughs> is so disgusting to me now. And, um, you know, and, like, throwing up in the trash can uh, when I was at, um, you know, in, like, seventh grade at school. And... Uh, but it wasn't like every weekend, it wasn't all the time and then i when I was a freshman when I was fourteen um uh like the Christmas that january in between- you know like starting the spring semester, my brother was killed in uh an automobile accident, and he was he was sixteen, and you know I often think about like you know there's that uh You think about times in your life, like before and after events, and this was one of those events. Like, everything changed for me. Um, I didn't know how to deal with emotions whatsoever. And so I really—and I think I was already prone to, like, shut that all down because I don't think it was really—what I needed wasn't available in my home. And so I found myself, you know, like— the only time, I mean I stood up in at his funeral and read a poem. I mean, I think back at that and I'm like, how the fuck did I do that? And um I can remember like I just I never cried except when I was by myself. And so I can remember there's there's a one like vivid memory in mine of like sitting in his closet and just crying and being drunk and so that's when it would come out and so i drank a lot his friends were two years older i started hanging out with all his friends we drank and i also had an eating disorder and so i like really really from that point on it was you know it just took off and I didn't drink every weekend in high I mean, I didn't drink every day in high school, but I drank on the weekends and like I drank. I mean, I drank like a fucking alcoholic. Like I could drink like football players underneath the table. And then uh, I got to college and uh, I smoked pot and hash in high school, but didn't do anything else. And I got to college and then all of a sudden, you know, the world of drugs was opened up to me like cocaine and uh, mushrooms, and I mean, you know, and I was just like, I was all fucking about it. I was like, you know, give it to me, bring it on, whatever you want, but, um, you know, I was always drunk before I did any of that, and so then, you know, and I will say this about, I had a very long progression so I started early and my progression was like this it would go you know like I'd have these pretty good times and then but it just kept on going and like you know I could get my shit together so I like graduated from UT and in the finance with the finance degree with like a 3.8 like didn't I mean I would stay up all night and like, you know, we would be on Coke. I would like get someone to drive me to campus and I'd run into my finance class and I'd ask the first person I'd saw, I'd be like, can you sign me in? And then I'd leave. I don't know how I managed to do all that. And, um, and then I graduated and then things kind of, you know, then I hit another spike where just things kind of blew up. And then I met my ex-husband And he kind of, he really kind of helped me settle a little bit um, from the alcohol. Of course, he grew pot in our house. So, (laughs) you know, we were, yeah, he was a musician and we just, one addiction for the other, really. Um, But uh, I, I got into grad school. I got a PhD and I went through about six years of, like working and going to school and, and like drinking only on the weekends with him. But it was like when I drank, I mean, again, it was like open up a bottle of champagne while we're cooking. I would finish almost the entire thing and then we'd open up a bottle of wine for dinner, you know, I mean, so it wasn't, it was never like, I've never in my fucking life had one glass of anything, you know, ever, ever ever. And if I was like forced to, you know, I found I would make someone's life a living hell. You know, I was like, you're not going to give me more. Oh, you're going to see a nasty side of me. I mean, and so I kind of got it together. You know, I was married. I was in grad school. We had two dogs. And then it was like, it was kind of like I was getting towards the end. I started my internship. I decided I did not want to be married anymore. Um, and, you know, I I got done. I, like, worked really hard, and I got everything fucking done, and I graduated. and And then it's just, like, everything just kind of blew up in my face again, you know? I had, like, I'll never forget, I had two months off in between, like, my internship, and my postdoc, and it was like, you know, like, a lot of this program has taught me how to sit with myself, like, and thank God, during this fucking time, I don't know what I would do if I hadn't done this work, because it taught, it's, it's taught me to be okay with myself, and during that time, I wasn't, and that two months was, like, awful, it was so much self-reflection, Like, it was just horrible and not good stuff. And so I really started just kind of declining And um, with my eating disorder and my alcoholism. I started drinking, like, more, more often. And then I met uh, my ex-boyfriend, who's a French guy named Jean-Luc. And, oh, my God, I just fucking fell in love with him. As soon as he said my name, he was like... Melissa, and I was like, "Oh my God, you know, like and <laughs> it was just a nightmare, man he had um i I think that was the beginning of the end for me. I met him, he drank a lot, he was not an alcoholic, his son was an addict, but he had money and all of a sudden, I went from doing a postdoc, starting my own business, to just dropping everything. I quit seeing clients, and I just traveled with him, and and I drank, and I was like, "This is the life," you know. And I had I con- I convinced myself that I was happy. I really did, and then and, and let me say this too. I had a lot of fun drinking and doing drugs. Like, I wouldn't have continued for as long as I had. It, but I liked it. it. I had good moments. I had fun, but I was never, never genuinely happy. And I was never genuinely able to get in touch with my feelings of grief or sadness or anger or any of that. That's what the alcohol and drugs did for me. It just masked all that, it just pushed it all aside and god damn it i paid the price when i got sober but anyway and so we were together for about 5 years and yeah we traveled all we did was travel we went to mexico i didn't have really a home i mean i had a home in austin but i was it wasn't like my home My dogs had died right before my ex—that was, like, the only thing, keeping my ex-husband and I together. And after our last one died, I was like, I'm out of here. And I always wanted a dog, but I just—I couldn't bring myself to get another one, you know. And, I mean, I just—I didn't want to love anything, you know. And I think with the loss of my brother and then the loss of my dogs, it was just— I mean, that was way harder than my ex-husband, you know, like <laughs> the loss of my dogs. And and it was just, yeah, I couldn't bring myself to it, to, to get another dog. I didn't have anything grounding me here. And um, and so I just traveled and I drank. And that's all I did. Oh, I did, when, and when I was 23, so this was like right when I had finished college, I had a grand mal seizure, and um, I was at an apartment with my roommate at the time, and thank God she was there, and um, and it was due to withdrawal because I was doing a bunch of coke and X, and then I was taking Valium, and I just decided I was just gonna quit everything, and my body just went fucking nuts. So I suggest don't do that, <laughs> and. After, when I ended up in the hospital, that was probably the worst phone call I ever had to make to my parents, that I was there, and, um, I mean, they knew I was doing a bunch of shit, and I can't, you know, I told them, um, but it was just so awful thinking about that they had already lost one of their children, and that they, you know, had almost lost another one, and, um. And the doctors basically told me at that time, they were like, if you ever do this shit again, you know, like you are so much more likely to have another seizure or you're going to die. And I took that to heart. You know, drugs wasn't my primary thing. And so I never touched drugs after that day besides smoking pot. And and then alcohol. And so I quit drinking. They told me six months. I think I lasted two. And then I went right back to it. So, you know, alcohol was my main thing. And, you know, giving up drugs was easier for me. And so then with John Luke, I, I traveled, I traveled, you know, fucking drank, having the time of my life. And I'd say, so I went into treatment in 2014, Mar- uh, May of two thousand four. So pretty much... 2013 and 2014, it was like things really started to fucking go downhill. Um, I was drinking every day. I would, um, hide alcohol fucking everywhere. I mean, I have some funny stories and how John Lake would find it. He would give me money. I stole money from him because I didn't know what, I didn't want him to know where it was going. I, um, you know, I was so, the last eight months, I was so physically addicted to alcohol that as soon when I would wake up, and it wasn't in the morning, I'd have to set my alarm to wake up at like two in the afternoon. And I would wake up at like two in the afternoon, and within an hour, I was sh- shaking so bad. I mean, I couldn't write my name. I couldn't do anything on the computer. I mean, I ha- and it was just like, you know, I had to drink. It was just one of the, and and I can remember a couple of times trying to, like, detox myself. And it was just, like, me sitting in bed with, I'll never forget it, these flannel pajamas I had. And I was just sweating and, like, I was like, I'm dying. I'm dying, you know. And every morning, every fucking day, I woke up feeling like that. Every day. And I finally, I was like... Oh my God, you know, I, and so it's interesting, the process I went through about deciding to go to treatment too, because I went to a couple of Bolden meetings. My friend, Sarah, that has like 13 years sober, she came to my house and she was like, you're the fucking walking dead. Like, let's go. And, um, and, like, it was a 10 a.m. meeting, and I, like, was chugging wine in the car on my way to drive her. <laughs> I mean, on the on my way to get her to take her to the meeting. And so I was never serious about it, but I did try a couple of times because I just wanted to feel better. And so, I mean, it was—but it was awful. And finally— um, you know, then I was like, Well, maybe I'll get a treatment. So I started looking at these treatment centers that were like seventy five thousand dollars. Like, oh I can get a massage every day and, you know, just stupid, stupid shit. And um and I finally you know, it wasn't anything new. Um I had it this it, I can tell you the same it was like the fucking groundhog day, the same thing over and over. I would Wake up! I would say I wasn't gonna drink within an hour. I was shaking so bad that I would go to the refrigerator and be like, "I'm gonna have one glass of wine so I feel normal." I'd have that. I'd still kind of feel yucky, so I'd have another glass of wine, and then I and then I'd start feeling good, and I was like, "Well, I'm just gonna have that now. I'm gonna, you know." But that it never. As soon as I started to feel good again, I was off. I'm like, where am I gonna go? I had my places like Inneatuca and Vespayo and Olivia. and I used to just sit at the bar and I knew all the bartenders and you know, free wine and and it was just and then I would, you know text and I ran into shit. I had to get like four new bumpers. I ran through electrical wires from the cops one night in my car, and you know, just crazy shit, just crazy ass shit and every morning the same thing or every afternoon the same i'd get up and i'd be like the first thing i would do is go out and see what if i had hit anything i would and and like you know what's wrong with my car and then i would get out my wallet and see like how much money do i have left then i'd get on i'd get on the computer and i'd look up on my american express to see where i went and how much i spent And then I would look at my phone, like, who the fuck did I text? Who did I call? I mean, I could, it was just, that was it. And I, John Luke and I started fighting all the time. And so one night, I did an interview with, um, or I called Turning Point is where I went in Tampa, and I called them and they did like an intake. (laughs) They were like, I mean, I I would love to hear what I told them. I'm like sipping my wine as I'm like doing the intake with this lady over the phone. And she's like, well, when do you want to come? And I'm like, oh, you know, I was thinking like a month. I got to wrap some things up here, you know? And that night I did the same shit and got in a big fight with John Luke and the next morning I woke up and I was just like it it was nothing new and I was just like I can't I can't live like this anymore. And I picked up the phone and I called the the treatment center and I said when can you take me and they said we can take you in 2 days for detox. And I said, "Okay, And I called John Luke and I said, will you will you fly over and come get me and take me to Tampa?" And that was it. And i and I say that was it. I was not one of those people that that threw up my hand and surrendered and said, "Oh, I'll do whatever you tell me to do." I fought the fucking process every single bit of it all along the way. I got to treatment. I was on a behavior contract within like ten days of being there. They were like, what the fuck? Just follow the rules. And I was like, no, why do I have to do that? I don't want to do that. And you know, like and um you know, but I can remember and if, if you've ever heard me talk in meetings, you'll you'll remember this, but when it was my first like couple of days there and I can remember Someone, I went to a spirituality class, and I was, I've always been a spiritual person, but I've never, like, never liked church. I was made to go when I was young. I always left as soon as I could drive, you know. I was like, I'm sitting in the balcony, and I was, like, in my car, like, later. And um, I was never, so I didn't, that was not my deal at all, but I, I loved nature, and I loved taking my dogs out to the green belt. Um, I love animals, and I always felt very connected that way. And I always kind of believed that there was something out there, you know. But I didn't really, I don't know, I didn't have any real, like, connection or understanding um, And so I can remember in spirituality, in treatment, like, first, you know, first couple of days I'm there, someone was like, if you want to be humble, get down on your knees and pray. And I was like, I haven't gotten on my knees since I was, like, a little girl in church, like, someone telling me to get down on the little, you know, padded things. And I can remember going to bed that night. And I woke up the next morning, and and I just said, what the... Fuck, I, what the hell do I have to lose? Like, and I got down on my knees, and um, as soon as I did, I started to cry. And I, you know, it took me a while to realize that that was actually like one of my first spiritual awakenings. Um, But I just cried, and I didn't know what the fuck I was, you know, talking to, or, you know, it was just like, I need help. I need help. And for some reason, I mean, you know, I can every day since then, I get down on my knees and I say the third step, I say the NA version, which is very short and simple. And it's um, God take my will in my life, guide me in my recovery, show me how to live and i do it every morning i just every morning and um there's something very powerful for me about getting down on my knees and doing it and um you know there's a couple of things i learned i ended up being in treatment for 3 inpatient for 3 months like I was like, I'm not fucking staying more than 30 days. Like, I took two packs of cigarettes (laughs) thinking that was gonna last me, you know? What a joke. Anyway, I don't know why, but every time they told me, like, you're gonna, you need to stay another 30 days, I mean, I was like, no, I'm not. What about 10 days? They were like, there is no compromise. You need to stay another 30 days. And I could have left, but for some reason, I stayed. And I can actually remember at one point they were like kicking people out because people were hooking up, you know, and there was some shit going on and so they were kicking people out and I was on a behavior contract so everyone was kind of getting like, everyone that was on a behavior contract was getting looked at. And I can remember sitting in that room, it was everyone in the treatment center and all the counselors and I can remember feeling like, holy fucking shit, if they kicked me out... I don't know what's going to happen to me. And that was the first time I prayed during the day. And I was like, oh my God, help me, you know. And my concept of the higher power has changed dramatically it was nature and animals and then it became the people on the outside that I knew loved me and cared about me and wanted me to get better and then it became it and it was all inclusive and then it became more of all the people I met in treatment and all the counselors that you know started to really want to believe in me and it just has grown and gotten bigger and changed over the years so if you're new man don't fucking worry about it I didn't even think about it it just happened I didn't think I just didn't think all all I know I think that one of the most important things for me is that I don't it doesn't matter what you believe in it's like just know that there's something out there that is more powerful than you that you are not in control of all this and I have a major problem with control. I mean, I have an eating disorder. I'm an alcoholic addict. I had trauma early in my life. It's like I want to control everything. and um, and you know, I just uh, we can't and And I think that was one of the most important things that, you know, I started to see is that I have to let go. And I have to start listening to what other people are telling me to do. And um, and I did. You know, I even, I even went back for outpatient treatment. And God, I didn't want to do that. I lived in a sober home with fucking 10 other women. I was 39 years old. I was like, what am I fucking doing here? And you know what? Best thing that's ever happened to me. And then I decided to come back to Austin, and then I met Snow, and I can remember going to all these different meetings, and then I remember getting to Bolden and being like, yeah, man, this is it. I just, I went to NA meetings. That was my home group in Tampa because all the AA meetings were like, oh my God, like, let's look cute and find a boyfriend, and I was like, oh my God, I just so don't need that. And um, so I've been through a lot. A lot of fucking good things, a lot of fucking hard things. Um, I broke up, John Luke and I broke up at nine months sober. Um, I've had uh, another relationship that ended, it lasted about nine months. Um, I got back together with John Luke, don't ever do that. Don't ever, don't ever go backwards. (laughs) And then that's ended again. Um, not in a bad way. Not in a bad way. We're still really good friends, but it just wasn't going to work. Um, uh, I, I, my dad had a, a massive stroke um, two years ago. And he, uh, it was a bleed, and so he had to have brain surgery. And we were in ICU for about... Oh shit. Um about a week and then he was in the hospital and and um that was really fucking hard. Um and recently um you know, ending of another relationship. I'm actually staying with my parents right now cuz my house is getting worked on. And then the coronavirus, man. What the fuck? I like went through a bunch of change in the last like month. Like you know, out of my house, out of my comfort zone, um, losing a re- another relationship, moving in with my parents, man, in the midst of it. And then this, you know, the coronavirus. And it's only because of this program that I'm sane and I'm continuing to work and can keep my myself grounded. Um, not all the time, but... You know, and some of the good shit that's happened is, you know, just all the wonderful people I've met. My practice has taken off. I love my work. I got Hank. He was my, when I got, when I was two years sober, he was my gift. I don't know if you guys know Hank. I had to kick him out because he actually ran into the door. I don't know what was going on with him, but um and he's my baby, and, you know, I I don't, I'd never been this happy, and, you know, I'm not happy all the fucking time. I have, I get sad. Oh, my God. Talk about when I first got sober, the, the amount of grief and loss that I had never dealt with. I thought I was, I thought I was just nuts. I was like, I am never, I can remember for about, I would say two or three months straight every morning, I would get up and literally be on the ground crying like, this is never going to end. This is never going to end. And and it did. And it did. And, you know, a couple of things this program has taught me is, one, listen to fucking other people, you know, especially at the beginning. You just don't, you know, just listen to other people and, and do what they tell you. And, you know, to, man, find some kind of higher power or something, whatever you, you know, something that you believe has control and that you don't, you know, because I think that's so big and, um, oh my God, it's taught me so much. I'm trying to think, you know, I mean, there's, there's so much I've learned, but I mean, really those two in fellowship, I mean, for me, I was a social drinker. I mean, I, I, you know, I drank with people. And so my fear when I first got into treatment was that I'm not going to be able to, to live the life I want. I'm not going to be able to hang out with people. I'm going to be so boring, you know. And I was like, oh, my God, really? At the end, I was like running into doors and like, Fucking no one knew what was going to happen to me if I picked up a glass of wine. I was not fun. But in my mind, I was. And I can remember being in treatment for the first time and like laughing, like really laughing, like laughing until my tummy hurt. And I can remember being like, holy shit. this is, what is this? You know, and... I don't know. I mean, I sit at this. Um, I love seeing everyone. People are such an important part of my recovery. Meetings are important. Um, I wor- I'm working the steps again, you know. Uh, the steps are important, but I meditate, I pray. I, I don't fucking know. I just, you know, it didn't happen overnight, And all the things I do, and you know, my meditation is sitting on the couch with Hank, playing music, rubbing his butt. That's my meditation. And so, I, you know, I think we also start to think like we, we have to be in a box. We have to do it a certain way. And the beautiful thing about AA is all this stuff is you do it your way, whatever works for you. And that's kind of what I've done over the last six years. Just figuring out what works for me. And it's always changing. And it's, you know, and it's, and that's really cool to me. And I am, I'm really grateful that I'm fucking sober, you know, and I can't imagine if I was drinking right now during this time. It would be a fucking, I would be so paranoid that, and alcohol's everywhere, but I would still be so paranoid that I was going to run out of wine, that I would be buying all that shit out, I'd get be getting it delivered, I'd, I mean, you know, stocking up until like, you know, just craziness, and um, yeah, and I don't have to fuck with that, you know, and I don't have to live in fear. And I don't, you know, I can be careful, but I can still, I don't, I don't, I don't feel fearful right now. You know, I just feel like, and this is something I only got through this program was that I'm okay. I never had that feeling before. But I have that feeling since I've been sober. And I've had that feeling of like, oh my God, I'm in the right place right now. This is just where I need to be. And it, it doesn't come all the time, but man, when it comes, it's such a powerful, powerful thing to feel like I'm right where I need to be. And and it's like it seriously is only, it's only through it's only through this program and the things I've learned and you guys, you know. I mean, my favorite thing and one of the things that keeps me sober is watching people change. You know, I couldn't see myself change. But when I go to a meeting and like I meet someone, Jen, I'm gonna use you as an example. When I met Jay, I mean, you know, the way she has changed has just been, it's been awesome. And the way we've gotten to know each other. And, like, I, I look at that and I'm like, oh, my God, this shit is just, it's incredible. To watch other people's lives change, you know. And um, and that's part of the work I do, too. And I love it. And that's just, you know, I, I have a fucking purpose. I know what it is. I mean, I should have been dead, like, ten fucking times over, but there is a reason I'm still here. <laughs> and um yeah, so I know I I thought I'd wrap it up. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I would say. Um I love doing stuff like this, you know, um before I started talking it was funny, I was a little nervous because I haven't, I haven't told my story in a while and I've never done it like on Zoom with like all these faces, you know. And, um, but I always do this and, and when I would do it on my way out to the prison and burn it. It's just like, you know, I would just kind of think to my higher power, just let me, and my story is always different. It's always different every time I tell it. And I'm like, just, you know, let me be able to say something at least to one person out there that touches them or reaches them or, you know, and, and I, I guess that, that settles me. And, you know, you really can't fuck up your own story. I mean, it's yours. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I know I talked kind of fast and long, so... um Yeah, if you guys have any questions or, I don't know, Snow, what... what.